Hey, this is Daniel. Thanks for listening to DIY Money. If you haven't already, be sure to give us a five-star review on iTunes so your friends know that they can learn from the show. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to another edition of DIY Money. DIY Money. What's shaking, Daniel? How's the running going? Oh, really, really well. Are you killing it? Well, I'm finally back in action. I will tell you the the injury sort of derailed me quite a bit psychologically, fitness level. Uh, but I w- am proud to say back to a consistent uh, running efforts at a very decent pace and um, gearing up for St. Louis. Is. Well, hopefully, I don't know when this will air, but it's April 1st, Okay, so April Fool's Day. It's probably pretty close around this airing. Or there you go. Well, before. I hope I did well. Yeah, I'm sure you crushed it. Crushed it. I'm I'm ready to redeem myself after Las Vegas, that's for sure. Yeah. I, left, I left part of my soul on that strip. A lot of people leave their soul in Vegas. Mm, yeah, I didn't do it I don't the, know what that the means, way that but... I have a lot of fond memories of it, but... Anyways, uh, how about the cycling? Great. How about the crossfitting? Are you crossfitting no. right now? Have you seen my arms? We just want to pop your arms. Not crossfitting, not like the traditional sense of the word, but you said you were doing cross training, Oh, cross right? training, yeah. A little bit of weights. Yeah. I yeah. saw it. Have three... we ever invited Kelly Carls on the show? No. Okay. Well, yeah, we might have as a real as a Her and her husband thing. owned a CrossFit gym, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, she's invited me to CrossFit with her before. I'm like, she would break me. I went... To his place a couple yeah. times. It's awesome. It's oh, a lot of fun. I think CrossFit is awesome. It is really neat. But if I tried doing that after just being a cyclist, I would not I be able to move. The kettlebell thing, I am not good at. Really? The kettlebell, I I thrust the kettlebell. I My body's all weird, contorted. It's just not good. Yeah. It's not good. I have to ease into that really yeah. easily. Easily, easy, easy to do it. Super easy. Yeah. Like I have to do the no weight version of CrossFit. Hey, uh, bro talk aside, I really want to touch on the current environment. I know we don't do this very often and because it's not a market update show, but uh, if you're not part of the tribe, uh, this maybe is uh, good for you. Uh, if you are, you know we've been talking about this in the DIY tribe inside of our Facebook group on a regular basis. Uh, the environment has become a little hairy out there, as it will uh, so often, uh, we currently have uh, scares regarding the banking system uh, with the two banks that have recently been taken over by uh, the FDIC and state regulators, and it is a scary and, and volatile time. And again, it's one of the reasons that we uh, subscribe to some basic tenants when it comes to investing, one of which we're going to talk about today in this question, uh, but it it kind of has to do with making sure, what, you've got an emergency fund got fast cash, you're investing with a, a, a greater than five-year time horizon. Uh, because these events, I will tell you, uh, the common theme we've been saying inside of our office is, while they certainly don't repeat as far as history goes, they certainly rhyme. So we, sure, in this situation, we've not seen banks collapse due to higher interest rates and uh, misappropriation of, of sort of betting on treasuries, as, as a couple of these banks did. But we have seen bank failures before. We have seen a significant decline in the financial system. Uh, and so we, we kind of seen that increased volatility in the markets as we're seeing it now, and I don't think it's certainly over. 
uh, but also we've seen the other side of it and, and kind of coming through that. And we know that uh, sound investing strategy with long-term outlooks is, is the name of the game. So if you find yourself getting anxious, if you find yourself getting nervous, just kind of take a deep breath, take a step back, read some history, because that's very important even over the last 20 years, and understand that uh, we've seen these kind of things before. We will get through this. It will take some time. There'll be bumps in the road. The environment might look a little different, but it's uh, it's why you stay to a, a plain vanilla basic investing strategy and not try to get too crazy after, only after you have all of your, your ducks in a row. So uh, we're going to talk about that today. We've got an interesting question that is in regards to this very thing from Adriana. Adriana, what do you got? D-I-Y! Hello, guys. My name is Adriana. I live in Ohio. Uh, thank you so much for your show and all the things that you share. I really enjoy the show, and I have learned a lot. I am 49, and I have a question for you guys. I want to retire in about six years or so. Um, My savings are like a third of my savings are in a 401k and the rest is in uh, mutual funds and a little bit of stocks. So the question is because I'm approaching the five-year mark, as you always said, if you're going to use the money in five years, don't invest it. So I need an exit plan. Um, what do I do now? Should I start like selling my investments right away and do I start little by little? Do you recommend that I just put the money in a savings account or CDs? Um, I've also heard about fixed annuities that I can use as an income stream. And during at least the first 10 years after I retire, um, and then, you know, later on, I can use the 401k um social security if i get any or you know the rest of the money so i really need um your opinion and some tips on what's good and or bad about an annuity and what's the best exit plan thank you so much guys i love you bye um did adriana just say that she loved us oh yeah i mean it wasn't even like love you i love you she said oh there's a lot to love here oh Okay, Adriana, great question. It once again highlights how when we say certain things, they can be misconstrued. And I'm very happy you brought this up. We face this same question, different format in our business on a regular basis. And that is... The difference between a distribution strategy in retirement and saving for a purchase of an asset within the five-year time horizon. So let's start with the latter first, meaning you have heard us say, and this is the whole reason for today's question, you have heard us say, That if you are going to use the money, if there's something you are going to be purchasing or possibly purchasing within the next five years, it's not a great idea to be going out and buying risk assets. And I'm going to make sure I choose my words very carefully because clearly we need to be a little bit better with how we use our words uh, because we have said things like, if you need this money in five years, well... Clearly, you're going to need the money in five years, but that's actually not what we're referring to. What we're referring to in that instance 
is when someone is putting money aside, let's say, to buy a house, a down payment on a house, or they're putting money aside to buy a car or start a business or save up for, you know, private school for their kids or whatever, a defined purchase that will use a majority, if not all, of the money that you've set aside. In that instance, we do not ever advise investing in, I'm going to choose again my words carefully, risky assets. Risky assets being anything that could potentially lose value by the time you need it. It's real simple. So what does that include? That includes stocks. That includes, that may even include bonds longer, meaning they, they mature longer than the time you need them. So what would be a risk-less asset? Well, savings account, high-yield savings account, short-term treasuries, CDs, checking savings, etc. Now, that is different than building up a retirement portfolio to be used upon retirement. You are not going to, upon retirement, hit the all out switch, park the money in cash, and then just spend it. Well, you may be thinking you're going to do that, but I would not probably advise that. If you were in our office and we were able to give you one-on-one advice, we wouldn't say that that was necessarily the prudent course of action. What you're going to need, in my opinion, is an actual distribution strategy that aligns with an allocation, asset stocks versus bonds, that can keep up with inflation and potentially last through the rest of your life. So when we talk to people in this business on a, on the Jewel Financial side, a lot of people become conditioned that well, when I'm 65, 66, or in your case, 55, bravo to you, I'm going to be taking all my money out of the market. I can't afford to risk anything. And that's true if all of your money is available to you to which you can use it, keep up with inflation, ever-increasing living expenses, all the things you want to do, and have enough money left over. Great. Then park it all in cash and just spend it. But most of the time, people don't have that luxury. They have to get some sort of return on their investments over a 20, 30-year time horizon. In your case, could be even 40 years time horizon to keep up with the ever cost of rising uh, inflationary pressure. So what we would do in this instance, there's not a blanket answer here. I cannot give you a one-size-fits-all answer. If you were working with an advisor, what that advisor would do is would analyze your spending habits, look at how those spending habits may or may not change over time. For example, when maybe debts were paid off or something like that. I know in your email you basically said that you rent for flexibility, so we would factor in the cost of rising rent, and that payment would need to be there unless you decide to buy something. If you decide to buy something, we'd need to know where that money's coming from, et cetera, et cetera. But they would analyze the spending habits, add additional things, maybe subtract additional things. They would start to build out a long-term cash flow projection. 
They would look at the assets that you have and be able to run a calculation determining how much those assets need to grow over time in order to keep up with your spending habits. Only when they did that would they be able to determine an appropriate allocation for you to meet those objectives. That's the financial planning process. Most people are, you know, well, there's three types of people. There's a person who has no idea about investing, and I would say that's a vast majority of people out there. The second group of people knows a lot about investing. They're, they're conditioned about buying, dollar cost averaging, using index funds, keeping costs low, t- long time horizon, et cetera. And that's a smaller, but it's still a decent-sized portion of people out there. Then there's a group of people that, that know about a distribution strategy, how to actually use that money. And I would say that's infinitesimally small. Very few people know actually how to stop the investing, the dollar cost average strategy, and actually use the money. Now, before I let Daniel go, because I know he's champing at the bit here to say some good stuff. Chomping at the bit. Really? Chomping or champing? I would caution you to avoid, personally, I would just say that word, avoid. You can explore all your options, see what's right for you, and all those things that compliance will want me to say. But I would say caution you to avoid something that locks in your money at a specific rate of return that will never change. And that would be your fixed annuity bucket. Be very, very careful of that because that doesn't afford you the ability to keep your liquidity in the event that there's an emergency, a massive expense that arises that you need, or if interest rates were to change dramatically higher or lower, inflation changes dramatically higher or lower, and then you to adjust accordingly. I always liked the idea of someone keeping control of their money in their in their own methodology, kind of taking it taking it uh, in your hands rather than turning it over to some sort of fixed income bucket and then never having the ability to change it. And that's what would happen in a fixed annuity. So I caution you. Daniel, what say you? You are America's best. Make us proud. Yeah, that was a good explanation. I could see how that misunderstanding could take place because you would think as you're approaching retirement uh, that you would want five years kind of sitting aside. Uh, And to be fair, there are scenarios where uh, we'll encourage folks approaching retirement to have maybe the first year or so set aside in cash. It really uh, takes a lot of load off of their mind to know that if in that first year the markets were to be tumultuous as you could say they are now somewhat, uh, that they're pulling those uh, that income from their cash portion rather than necessarily the investment portion. But that would still be construed in the sort of the overall big picture of their allocation. So I think what we're getting at here is the fact that uh, we're comparing sort of a terminal goal versus a perpetual goal. A terminal goal being just what you talked about, uh, the fact that you have a very definitive purchase date for an asset a trip, an education plan, or something of that nature where you you have to have the money there at that date. Uh, Sometimes you can afford to take risks, say maybe a car purchase, where it doesn't have to be exactly in two years from today. 
and you're willing to take some volatility and know that you can defer that purchase for a year or two after that date if you wanted to. So you you still, in that instance, it, it is still a terminal goal, but you might not necessarily put it in stocks, but you might put it in something a little bit more uh, volatile and therefore have it hopefully slightly higher return. Uh, but generally speaking, yeah, under five years, any terminal goal under five years, you're probably going to want to start moving those funds into uh, relatively risk-free assets, things like cash, interest-bearing, etc. Now, a perpetual goal is effectively retirement is one of the few perpetual goals you see in life. You start that goal the day that you retire, and you really want to have income throughout your entire retirement until whenever the day is you die. And you don't really know when the terminal date of that goal is because nobody actually knows exactly the day that they're going to die as they embark upon retirement. And so your retirement portfolio being fundamentally different in that it's an income stream, not an actual cash out event. In a perfect world, we can't do this with everybody, but in a perfect world, Adriana, you would take a portion of of your assets and you would maybe have six months or 12 months in a in a riskless uh, investment, you would draw upon that uh, over time. And then as you drew closer to the end of that time period, you would then move an additional six or 12 months from your investment allocation into that bucket. You would draw on it accordingly. Now, all you did was kind of transfer one asset class to another and use it. And since money's fungible, meaning it can, it's kind of the same money no matter where it is, why why on earth would you do that? I, I, I can hear math or, or OCD people saying, well, why would you do that? And, and in my 20 years of experience, you would do that because psychologically, it is very helpful to have a pool of money that you are using for a certain period of time, six months or a year, without worrying about market volatility, uh, even if it's a separate account. It's exactly what I am going to do, personally speaking. I am, I'm setting up the long-term future Tatro sort of family retirement strategy such that I have a year of living expenses sitting in a, a short-term interest-bearing account. I will use that, and then I will move another year over and another year over, etc. I personally don't want, because I know myself, I hate selling any investment when they're down for anything. I, I just don't like it. Um, when things are down, I, I don't want to be a seller. I want to be a buyer. It's, it's against my fiber to be a seller. So I know that if I'm withdrawing money from that same account when I'm in retirement and the markets are down, psychologically, that will pain me. I will be very frustrated about that. If I've already designated the cash account for that, for that given year or six months, I won't worry about it. I've already designated it. I'll pull it out. Now, everybody doesn't have that ability because they might have a 401k. Uh, they can't pull it out. They can't put it in cash, you know, et cetera. It's all lumped as one. I mean, you know, it's, it's not always as easy as that. You mentioned 67% or, or two-thirds of your assets outside of 401k. You might have that ability. Uh, but again, that doesn't mean that you shut off the investment altogether. That, in my opinion, would not be wise. Uh, there's a blend uh, of two there. Great question. Thanks for helping us clarify what things that we say and we sometimes miss and they could be interpreted wrong. So that was very, very helpful, Adriana. And you know what? We love you too. Aww. It's just fantastic. The love is in the air today. All right. All she did was send us a voice memo. 
via probably her phone, uh, dropped the voice memo and emailed it to podcast at DIYmoney.org. That's podcast at DIYmoney.org. We will send her a $25 Amazon gift card. So keep those questions coming. It's always helpful. Remember, friends, the secret to wealth is pretty simple. Live on less than you make. Invest the rest and do so for a very long time. Make it a great one. Thanks for listening to this episode of the show. If you want your question aired on the show, be sure to send that to us and you'll get $25 Amazon gift card. This show is for entertainment and educational purposes only and is not intended as personal financial advice. Before making any financial decision, please do your homework and consult a financial advisor as needed.